What is up, divers? Welcome in to the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow me on Twitter at Deep Dive FF, Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, and as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com, which is always popping during the offseason. With that being said, let's get to the content. What's up, divers? Welcome into another episode of Deep Dive Fantasy Football, and today we're talking about the Lions, and I'm going to be honest with y'all. I have been dreading the day that I had to project the Lions. I've been dreading the day to record a podcast on them, and actually, after projecting them, not so bad. Not so bad at all. We have a lot of lovers of Amon Ross St. Brown, a lot of lovers of TJ Hawkinson, a lot of lovers of DeAndre Swift, and I was a huge lover, or maybe still am, of TJ Hawkinson. We'll see what my research has dictated to me and if it's changed me or reinforced me on my thoughts on TJ Hawkinson, but we've got a lot to talk about here and we will actually have one or two decent, maybe really good fantasy players come out of this offense, but first we got to go over the personnel and there's a lot of changes. This team might have the most changes in the NFL in terms of their offense, Over this past season, they have a new head coach, Dan Campbell from New Orleans. He was their assistant head coach and their tight ends coach. New Orleans, remember, they used running back heavily in the receiving game. So hint, hint, DeAndre Swift. They also have a new offensive coordinator in Anthony Lynn. And guess what he did? He also used running back heavily in the receiving game like Austin Eckler. Hint, hint, DeAndre Swift. They went out with Stafford and they're in with Goff. That's a huge downgrade. They lost Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones and replaced them with the likes of Tyrell Williams and Brashad Perryman. That's not very good. Then they also drafted wide receiver Amon Ross St. Brown. A lot of you guys may be high on this dude. I was not, and this is not just now that he's with the Lions. In fact, this might be one of the better possible landing spots for him because of the opportunity or possible opportunity for volume, but... Pre-draft process, I was not a high guy on Amon Ross St. Brown at all whatsoever. He was my 12th ranked rookie wide receiver pre-draft, which is funny because not that he's 12, but it's funny that he landed with the Lions because I likened his style to Cooper Cup and Cooper Cup was Goff's dude. So that's also pretty interesting that they ended up together and I'm not very big on his talent. I I really am not. I don't see when I watch him and we'll get into him a little bit later, so I'm not going to say too much, but I don't see someone who's going to be very successful as a wide receiver in the NFL based off some athletic traits combined with intangibles or things that he can't change, like size, speed, strength. He can kind of change those things, but his size ain't changing. He's not going to get super quick twitch out of nowhere. I mean, at this point in your career, right, you've been training football for how long? It's unlikely that's going to happen. And he's got good hands. He's a a good 50-50 guy. But it's just hard for me to picture him being super successful in the NFL. But we'll talk about him later. Just know I'm not super talent or not super high on this guy's talent. He's more of a volume play, if anything. If he will do good, it'll be based off of volume and the lack of talent at wide receiver around him. They also extended center Frank Ragnow for four years. So it may not be a, a big change this year, but just for fantasy purposes. And dynasty purposes, four years, that's pretty good for DeAndre Swift. They also drafted right tackle Panay Sewell. So another person they'll have for four, maybe five years if they pick up his last year option. So Swift at least has two very good offensive linemen to run behind on the right side. 
center and right tackle. So on the right side, he's got some good stuff to work with. Now let's look at some trends, some history, some things I picked up on that I think will help us project them moving forward. PFF ranks this D-line 24th in the NFL. They rank the secondary 30th, so still a really bad defense. They rank the offensive line definitely better than last year, 10th, because of the addition of Panay Sewell, most likely. This team ran 949 plays last year with Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford is so much better than Jared Goff. It is not even close. It's not a comparison. They are on not different tiers. They are on different worlds. And Matthew Stafford bringing this offense to only be able to click at 949 plays is not looking good for Goff. And it's going to make it very hard for us to have superstars in this offense. And we'll talk about who those disappointing players may be and who might rise above it. Jared Goff being under center is really the key of this whole podcast. This will lead to more three and outs compared to Stafford. And if they're having more three and outs on the field, that means they're on the field less. They have less time. The offense will be off the field in a hurry. And their defense, as we talked about, is not very good. So the opposing team's offense will be on the field running the clock very easily. And it's going to make this team probably have the worst time of possession in all of the NFL next year. And if you're a betting man, I think that's a nice bet to go put out there. Because when you're taking one team in a pool of 32, you're always getting good odds. And I think the odds that the Lions have the worst time of possession is somewhere around 50% which is ridiculous, but, you know, and maybe I'm just exaggerating a little bit, but I think it's very likely that they have the worst offense and the worst time of possession, or one of the worst offenses. It also depends on if Deshaun Watson plays for Houston or if they have a different quarterback, stuff like that, but overall, this is not looking good for the Lions and Detroit fans back home. Less plays total. Now let's look is what I'm projecting. Now let's look at pass run. Last year's pass run, 61% of the time they passed the ball. So obviously 39% for the run. I think the vision that Dan Campbell has, and maybe even Anthony Lynn, is to be more run heavy than that. But it's going to be very hard considering the context that they will find themselves in in almost every game. And that context is catch up. They are going to be playing catch up almost every single game. It is going to be very hard to commit to the run. They are not Seattle, and they do not have a hyper-efficient quarterback and super-sick receivers like Seattle. They are not going to just be able to commit to the run and then hope, you know, the few fewer pass plays that they run are super-efficient when they're behind in games. They're going to have to pass the ball. So that's not really going to change too much. I'm projecting 59% pass down from 61%. So I think they're going to try to get their vision in line, but it's going to be very difficult, and they're going to find that they cannot do so. I am projecting 977 total plays. I think they're going to have less plays than last year, as we talked about, because Goff versus Stafford. Stafford is more likely to convert and keep the offense on the field longer. That's not going to happen with Goff, so less total plays for the offense. And at that 59% pass rate, that leads to 576 passes and 401 runs. So let's talk about Jared Goff. I'm going to project for his rushing category 40 runs for 100 yards and a touchdown mainstream average for Jared Goff. Not too much to analyze there. But now let's talk about the passes and the passing game. If a better quarterback in Matthew Stafford with better weapons 
in Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones averaged 64% completion percentage, 12 yards per completion, and 4.9 yards per touchdown in Detroit, Goff is going to be way below that. He has a significant weapon downgrade coming from the Rams. Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Tyler Higby, that's so much better. Even if you want to throw in Josh Reynolds, that is so much better than TJ Hawkinson and all the crap they have at wide receiver. And Cam Akers, DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift's definitely a better passer, or sorry, pass catcher than Cam Akers. But overall talents at running back Swift, I would still take over Akers, but not by like a huge, huge margin. And we'll see how that actually works out for fantasy. It may be the same, may not be. Last year with the Rams, Jared Goff averaged a 67% completion percentage. At first look, that's that's pretty good, right? 67%, that's right above league average, nice. But then you look at his yards per completion, 10.7. He's throwing super close to the line of scrimmage. That means that his completion percentage is only good because he's not throwing the ball deep down the field. That's not good at all. 10.7 is well below the NFL average. And then his touchdown rate, 3.6%. That is atrocious. Absolutely atrocious. And that's with a better cast of weapons with the Rams. This year, I'm projecting a 66% completion percentage, down 1% from his year with the Rams, and actually better, 2% better than Stafford's last year in Detroit, but only 9.8 yards per completion, because I think he will have a little bit higher of a completion percentage than you would think at first glance, but it's because he's going to be getting rid of the ball in two seconds, one and a half seconds, and just dumping it down to DeAndre Swift, TJ Hawkinson, and Amon Ross St. Brown. Those are probably going to be their three most targeted players on the offense. And if that's the case, all those guys play close to the line of scrimmage, which makes it very hard for you to like all three if you do the math. So if you're someone that is in on all three of these guys, take a step back, pay attention, or just do your own research, or you could pay attention to what you're about to listen to, and realize you got to be out on one of them. There's no way Hawkinson, Amon Ross St. Brown, and DeAndre Swift are all going to have good seasons because they compete in similar areas of the field. It's not going to happen. Amon Ross is going to be in the slot, guys. He's not going to be an outside wide receiver for him. And if he was, that's even more problematic because I don't think he has any chance at being successful on the outside. So with that in mind, getting back to Jared Goff, that's what I have projected for him. 9.8 yards per completion off a 66% completion rate and a 3.4% touchdown rate, slightly less than what he had with the Rams. And honestly, you could put it at like 3.2, but that's to the point where you're talking about worst quarterback in a multitude amount of years that we've seen, so I'm not going to go that far. Overall, he's going to throw short passes near the line of scrimmage in an offense experiencing many three and outs and not many trips to the red zone. I'm out on Goff. He is pretty much undraftable. You'll hear the points and the projections later, but pretty much undraftable unless you're in a super deep league in terms of amount of teams, like a 20-team league or something, or if you're in a super flex league, I mean, I guess you could slide him into your super flex spot. You're probably better off playing a flex wide receiver or running back, but if you're super struggling, then he'll have to do, but don't expect much. Now let's talk about DeAndre Swift, and I'll let you know, coming into this, I was very worried. Very, very worried because I knew I was going to have a decent, at minimum decent projection for DeAndre Swift. He's got Anthony Lynn. He's got Dan Campbell. You look at the past teams of both of these coaches, Saints, 
Chargers. Both were heavy on targeting the running back position. Goff also loves targeting people that are close to the line of scrimmage, a.k.a. a running back. All that stuff is great news for Swift. But I was worried because TJ Hawkinson is kind of in the same area. And if the offense is as bad as I think it's going to be, I was like, man, I don't know how many touchdown opportunities Swift is going to have. I don't know if he's going to have enough carries to pick it up. And I don't know how many receptions he can have with Hawkinson also having a lot of receptions. It's very rare that you see a very good tight end and a very good running back in fantasy, both combining for 200 targets. And I actually think we have a chance here for both of these guys to be all right. So let's get into it. Last year, DeAndre Swift had a 14% target share. They lost a lot of substantial weapons at wide receiver in Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones and even Danny Amendola if you want to throw him in as well. So I'm projecting a substantial increase because the people they've replaced those wide receivers that they lost with are not nearly as good as those wide receivers. So it's way more likely they're going to start throwing the ball more to the running back position. Austin Eckler, 18% target share, 18.5% target share with Justin Herbert last year. Alvin Kamara annually is around that 18 to 19% target share for the Saints, where Dan Campbell came from. So it makes sense that DeAndre Swift's going to be in that exact same range, especially without a Michael Thomas, or without a Keenan Allen, or without a Mike Williams, without any of those type of players also in the offense. I think it's very easy and safe to project DeAndre Swift for 19% of the targets. So that's what I'm doing. Now, I'm obviously going to dip him in receiving yards per reception, because it's going to be a worse offense and Jared Goff can't push the ball as accurately or as far down the field as Stafford and having worse wide receiver weapons around DeAndre Swift is going to bring the defenders closer to the line of scrimmage so it's going to be harder for him to do stuff after the catch so that's what I've got for Swift's on the receiving side so mostly it's pretty good news 19% target share that's amazing but we've got some bad news as well he's probably going to split a lot with Jamal Williams as much as we hate the fact that that might be the case. It's probably going to happen. And it's not just Jamal Williams. He's probably going to split a little bit here and there with the other running backs on the roster. I think he's going to be somewhere around a 50% clip, a 50% share of the carries to the running back position. And if he had exactly 50%, he'd have 180 carries. I'm putting him at about 53%. So just above 180 carries. I think I have him like 191. We'll see later. I'm putting him, like I said, 53%. The Camara-Eckler role, while it's great for receiving, it also means they lack that high rush volume. And I think that's going to be the case for Swift. But you might be saying, okay, Brandon, you're, you're comparing Swift to Alvin Kamara and Austin Eckler. They are great fantasy running backs. All they needed was the receiving. They're, they get their touchdowns. Well, Eckler actually doesn't that much. I was surprised when I did my Eckler research how much touchdowns he doesn't get, which we will talk about, of course, on the Chargers podcast. I'm not sure if I'm going to release that one before this one or not, So, because I just recorded both at the same time, so we'll see which one gets released first. But Austin Eckler, he, he's not a huge touchdown guy, but never never mind that. Austin Eckler, Kamara, they've both been great, right? DeAndre Swift, if I'm comparing them, what's the difference? Well, the difference is the offense and the touchdown opportunities. Kamara has been a beast, absolute beast in touchdowns and Austin Eckler while he's not anywhere near the touchdown getter that Alvin Kamara is he is still very efficient even on the ground and it's going to be harder for Swift to do that with 
such a severe lack of weapons. So that's the, the biggest difference in Swift between the comparisons I'm making with Kamara and Eckler. I am projecting him to have a dip in his yards per carry. He was at 4.6 last year, which is actually pretty surprising considering the situation. I'm putting him down to 4.4. Worst quarterback, worst wide receivers. Better O-line, yes. But those O-line upgrades are definitely offset by the loss of the surrounding weapons. Now let's talk about the guy that most people are the most in on in Detroit. Because I know a lot of people like Swift and a lot of people don't. Let's talk about TJ Hawkinson because I feel like most people are in on TJ Hawkinson. And I wanted to be all in on TJ Hawkinson. I just saw a pair of aces before the flop. And I wanted to push all the chips into the table. But then I did some research. And... I can't say that I feel that way anymore. And I've tweeted about it. You guys have probably seen it already. But Dan Campbell, he would love to use TJ Hawkinson heavily. I'm sure he was a tight ends coach himself. Anthony Lynn, he used Hunter Henry well. Not super high volume, but he used Hunter Henry well. So just like the coaching staff looks like it's going to be good for Swift, it would seem like it's going to be good for Hawkinson as well. And I do think it's going to be good, just not as good as everyone is hoping. I don't think we're going to see the breakout that we are hoping for. I think that's a couple years away. Hunter Henry had better surrounding talent, so you may be saying, hey, that's why Anthony Lynn didn't give him high volume. So, oh, don't forget about that, Brandon. Anthony Lynn might be somebody who will give Hawkinson a whole bunch of volume as well, not just Dan Campbell. So they're both might, might be on the same page. Here's the problem. TJ Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift are both short area targets, so they kind of cap each other a bit. DeAndre Swift, if TJ Hawkinson wasn't there could be a 110 reception running back. TJ Hawkinson, if DeAndre Swift wasn't there, did I, I'm not sure if I said that backwards. TJ Hawkinson, if Swift was not there, could be 140, 145 target tight end. But it's not going to happen. They cap each other. He had an 18% target share last year. I think we're going to see a bump in targets. But once again, just like everyone we've talked about, a dip in efficiency. I'm giving him a 22% target share. That's 4% up from last year. That's a big deal. But it makes sense because they're missing a bunch of wide receivers. Could TJ Hawkinson get 23-24 at most 25%? Possibly he could. But it would come at the expense of DeAndre Swift. And I don't see Swift getting less than an 18-17 at worst percent target share. So, especially like we said, considering the running back history and usage of the coaches that are now in charge of the Detroit Lions. So with that 22% target share, I was pleased to see that he was not going to be as bad as I thought when I initially got into my research. It seemed like it was trending really down, but then it picked up. That 22% is reception heavy, right? And tight ends, we don't really have that many that get a lot of targets. So since he gets a lot of targets, he will still be good. But I was of the mindset TJ Hawkinson could be the best wide receiver after Darren Waller, Travis Kelsey, and maybe Kyle Pitts. I'm still not sure how I feel about George Kittle. I haven't dove into the 49ers, but if Trey Lance is the dude, they're going to be too run heavy, and Kittle also gets banged up, so I'm not sure how I feel about Kittle yet. But I was of the mindset TJ Hawkinson could get into that category or get close to that category of elite because of the volume. But then I started the research, right? So it's kind of bittersweet because he didn't end up being as bad as I thought, but not as good as I wanted him to be, right? So that's CJ Hawkinson. His touchdown potential is pretty low because he's in a trash offense. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. That offense is going to be trash next year. 
And I'm not sure if you could tell, <clears throat> my voice is starting to go a little bit. So we're going to push through. Amon Ross St. Brown. There are three Lions wide receivers, and it's going to be very hard to predict any of them. It's going to be a crapshoot. Any single one of them could lead in targets, in my opinion. I was not high, like I said, on Amon Ross St. Brown. While there's a chance he gets a good target share, it's probably unlikely. I do not see the speed, the quickness, or the great route running that he needs to be successful because he was winning a lot of 50-50 balls, strong-arming it, and just being a dude on those contested catch situations in college. But he's too small to win that way on those 50-50 stuff, especially with a quarterback that's not super accurate like Jared Goff in the NFL on NFL corners. He's not doing great in camp reports. I'm not saying he's doing bad in camp reports, but think about how many rookie hype articles we're seeing right now because it's very easy for teams to pump those out right now in this time, and we have not seen much of that from Amon Ross St. Brown. So that possibly shows that he's not doing great. So I'm giving him a 13% target share. Tyrell Williams, I'm giving him a 12% target share. He might truly be the wide receiver on the team, that can run the most diverse routes, which is so weird. He might be the most complete wide receiver. He just needs to stay healthy. He can go deep. He can go over the middle. And they've got the short, trust me, they've got the short areas of the offense covered already with Hawkinson, Swift, and Amon Ra. But if they needed him to, he could also go in the slot. Wow, my voice is, <clears throat> I think this is actually going to sound cool on the podcast. And uh, I'm just going to keep it going. Almost done anyway. Brashad Perriman. He's probably going to be the only possible game breaker, absolute game breaker for the offense that can give them the occasional big play. DeAndre Swift doesn't have like great breakaway speed. TJ Hawkinson's a pretty slow guy, just relative to NFL corners. Not He's not the slowest tight end out there. But Brashad Perriman is the only one that could probably get a big play here and there. I have him for 11%, the lowest targeted share of the main three wide receivers. That leaves 23% of the targets for the other running backs tight ends and wide receivers that we have not talked about and that I'm not projecting that I'm just stuffing into the other category. That 11% for Brashad Perryman is probably going to be mostly deep balls trying to somehow open up the offense that's going to be so bad and so chippy chip down the field, three yards, four yards, five yards, seven yards, oh, 11 yards, woo, seven yards, three yards, four yards, eight yards, woo. That's probably how the offense is going to be. But, and, and obviously a lot of those are just going to be three and outs and interceptions with Jared Goff. But with that said, what are the actual projections? Jared Goff, 576 pass attempts for 380 yards, 3,726 yards, sorry, 380 completions, 3,726 yards, 19 touchdowns, and a rushing touchdown. So I have Jared Goff at just over a touchdown per game, 20 total touchdowns. Not, Not good. Not good at all. Tyrell Williams, I have at 63 targets for 41 receptions, 564 yards, three touchdowns. That puts Tyrell Williams at 6.8 points per game, pretty much undraftable. Brashad Perriman, 6.2 points per game, pretty much undraftable. And Amon Ross St. Brown, 7.2 points per game, pretty much undraftable. Amon Ross St. Brown is right under Christian Kirk. What do I have him projected for? 75 targets. So the leading target getter among receivers. 52 receptions, 532 yards, 3 touchdowns. Brashad Perriman, I have at 69 targets, 35 receptions, and 522 yards, and 3 touchdowns. TJ Hawkinson, I have at 127 targets, 77 receptions, 858 yards, 7 touchdowns. That puts him at 12 yards per game, right 
behind, or 12 points per game right behind Mark Andrews in the rankings. So if you remember, Dallas Goddard is above Mark Andrews for me. So I actually have Dallas Goddard above TJ Hawkinson for this year. For dynasty purposes, I would definitely rather TJ Hawkinson because I believe that Jared Goff will not be the starter next year. They're going to be one of the worst teams in the league. They're going to have a pick inside the top three. They're going to get a franchise, hopefully, changing quarterback. And then, and they're starting to build a good old line. And then TJ Hawkinson is looking better. Maybe they'll add a wide receiver to take some pressure off of him. That would be better. So I really like TJ Hawkinson for Dynasty. And if he really does start disappointing during the season this year, look to buy TJ Hawkinson in Dynasty because people are going to be very frustrated. They're so hopeful. TJ Hawkinson owners are so hopeful right now that this is the year. It's year three. That this is the year. It's not going to be the year. And that's going to make him an easy buy in my opinion. So watch out for that. DeAndre Swift. I have at 109 targets, 91 receptions. It's going to absolutely carry his projection is the is the receptions. 91 receptions, 663 yards receiving, two receiving touchdowns. 191 carries, 840 yards, seven touchdowns. So total for DeAndre Swift, that's nine touchdowns, basically one every two games, right? So half a touchdown per game. And quick math, 1,500 yards. So what is that? 1,500, 15 over 17. Uh, that's got to be like what 90 yards per game 88 yards per game so that's what I have for DeAndre Swift that puts him at 17.4 points per game that's right between Antonio Gibson and Cam Akers so I was actually super surprised because I thought Swift was going to be in that category with Joe Mixon, Miles Gaskin, Chris Carson in the 15s but instead he's in the 17.4 area right between like I said Gibson and Akers so that's what I got for them and by the way I realized I, I made a mistake when I was talking about Tyrell and Brashad, I flipped their targets. I have Tyrell for more targets, obviously. So that's what I got. It doesn't really matter because you shouldn't be drafting any of those receivers in standard regular leagues where you just got 12 teams and like a, what is it, 18-person, 20-man roster. So that's what I got. Overall, don't draft Jared Goff, 14.2 points per game. That's unplayable. My worst-ranked quarterback after Jared Goff is at 18-something points per game. So obviously, big difference there. So don't draft Jared Goff. DeAndre Swift is being a little bit undervalued because everyone is just looking at how bad, I feel like, ADP-wise, how bad that offense is, and they're not realizing that, hey, he does have a really good path to receptions in the 80-plus range. And then, not touching the receivers, TJ Hawkinson will be good enough where he's being drafted, but don't expect huge potential. Thank you guys for listening to the podcast. Sorry about the voice, but I got to give you guys the content and squeeze in podcast time when I can between work and and studying and all that good stuff so have a good one stay diving deep stay safe especially if you're in florida because we got a storm coming through after this uh or no we have a storm coming through today because this is gonna come out right when the storm is supposed to hit so stay safe hopefully you're able to listen and if you are that means you got wi-fi so that's a good sign have a good one peace